You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to episode 49 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. I am the aforementioned host Pimp Cron, as if you didn't already know that, and think of me in your dreams. What are we talking about tonight? Well, I am here to tell you. That's that part of that show, in case you didn't know, idiot. So, we are talking about the tactics of the movement phase. Yep, that's it. Just James and I talk about the movement phase, and it's it's a little lengthy of a talk because the movement phase encompasses so very much, but I think we cover a lot of good ground there. We also have a want that or want that not, the Sylvanith dice, and I'll tell you about exactly what I think of those coming up pretty soon. Finally, we have a Tesseract mailbox with the Pimpcron Wargamer Bathwater. You heard it here first. We are now selling Pimpcron brand Wargamer Bathwater. And um, it's actually flown off the shelves. It's done really, really well. So you get to hear about that. Um, there's some reviews have come in, and it is pretty awesome. So I'm spending far too much time in the bath, but that's fine. Anything for the money, as they say. Hey, speaking of money, guess what? We've got a new Patreon subscriber! That's right. We have our... We finally have a Necron Overlord for the Pacron Dynasty. That's right. The Pimpcron Dynasty is what is funding this. We are a small legion, but we are slowly growing. And we had Cryptex, we had Warriors, we had Scarabs, but we've never had a Lord until now. His name is Michael, and I would like to thank you for joining us, Michael. And he is the Lord of our... Pimpcron Dynasty. And you know, this is just a good time right now to thank each and every one of my Patreon subscribers. I know everybody hears every podcast talk about Patreon, yada, yada, yada. Okay, I get it. But I definitely want to thank everybody. So starting from the top going down, I want to thank Overlord Michael for joining us for the Pimpcron Dynasty and supporting the show. I would also like to thank Badass Cryptex, Andrew and Colin for being badass cryptex for essentially since I started the Patreon. You guys have been awesome. I love you to death. We also have four funky warriors, and that would be Tom, Nate, L, and Mandy. And I appreciate all of you so much for supporting this show. And we also have a gold trim scarab, which is Brendan. And thank you as well, Mr. Brendan. Uh, you guys are just great, and if anybody sees any of these people on the street, any proud Pimpcron Dynasty member, I want you to give them a big, wet, sloppy kiss. That's just part of the toll for passing by such an awesome person. Now, um, I will not be held liable if you actually kiss them. I'm just not going to be liable for that, but... Uh, I do want to thank each and every one of you for being so awesome. So, now that all of that is out of the bag, I um, I wanted to talk about what I've been up to. I am about 40% done with the, the novel. I've been working hard on the novel, doing revisions, things like that. So, that admittedly has taken up most of my time. But, I have had some hobby time. I have painted a couple more ne- uh, Tomb King's Chariots. I almost said Necron. Tomb King's Chariots. 
I got a game in with this uh, last club meet, and um, I really I did some unspeakable things in that game. I really it, it was it was rough. I won my Necrons beat Admech uh, twenty two to two, and admittedly there were mistakes made on my opponent's side, but a lot of it was he was rolling absolute garbage. Now he also forgot about the objectives. He kept going after me. And not going after the objectives, and I always stayed focused on the objective. So, the part of that is his fault. Several times he didn't realize, oh, I'm not even in... He was standing like four inches from an objective and not three inches from it. You know what I mean? And uh, also, he was way too reserved. He left most of his army in the backfield. And if you will recall, Just James and I spoke about tactics of deep striking. Well, I had an 11-man squad and a 12-man squad of flayed ones that were going to deep strike preferably in his backfield. And I think that contributed in his frozen fear of moving up his army because he did not move up his army except for a couple units, but most of it sat in the backfield not getting points at the end of each turn. And meanwhile, the Pimpcrons were doing so. So, um, you know, I've ever since I've been recording this, um, recording my wins and losses each week, I realize that I have not lost in like, like two months or something. I haven't I haven't lost in like for freaking ever. I don't know why this is happening, but um, I mean usually I'm probably a seventy percent win rate, sixty percent, seventy percent, something like that, seventy percent I guess. And um, I win a good portion of the time, but I'm not I'm not really out to win honestly. I, I enjoy the strategy of it, but my lists are literally thrown together lists. The list that I brought this week. I just said, oh, I like this unit. Oh, I like that unit. Oh, I like this unit. <laughs> That's basically it. Um, so that was fun. Uh, but you know, here's the real news, is that I have decided to take the plunge into Caradron Overlords for Age of Sigmar, and unfortunately they're an extremely expensive arm- army to start because everything is at the, you know, the new GW price scale. But uh, I... Uh, for my birthday, Just James got me the Start Collecting for Caradron Overlords, which I'm super stoked about, and I bought the Ironclad, which, you know, honestly, I just want to go ship-heavy, I just want to fly a bunch of ships, and I love the ships, and that's exactly why I got into it. Don't really care for the look of the Arcanauts, but I think I mentioned that before, so I won't ramble. And other than that, I have been working a lot, and, uh... I think that's it, kids. I think that's all I've been up to. Toodles. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey, everybody. This is a special edition of Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast, where um, instead of doing the Tesseract mailbox as we usually do, I'm in the bathtub. And this is the water is quite warm, actually. So as many of you know, um, I just recently came out with my own Pimpcron Wargamer bathwater. And uh, after all the you know success that recent internet personalities have had with bathwater, um, I decided to make my own. And it has been a great success. Most of you are probably drinking yours right now. I just wanted to, instead of reading a regular old Tesseract mailbox like we always do, um, I wanted to do a, a couple of the reviews on Amazon and on our website, uh, pimpcronwargamerbathwater.com. So let's go ahead and read some of these wonderful reviews people have made. So 
We have five-star review. I love it. I pre-ordered After Workout Tang flavor as well as Early Morning Funk. I mix a little in my water to give me some pep. Uh, there's a four-star. I own all of them and can't re recommend them enough, though I have noticed that they all have a vague pepperoni scent regardless of the flavor. Been in the swimming pool scrotum is my favorite. You know, that is my that is the most fun to make, honestly, uh, Jeff, who's the one that made that... that uh, that review. I also have a four star. It says, I bought a case of it and received a rare bonus. Just imagine my surprise when I found an authentic Pimpcron toenail floating in mine. <laughs> so that's where that went. Finally, to, to be sure that we are um, being fair and balanced and, and not being charlatans, uh, I've included a one star rating. That is, I specifically ordered a bottle with no hair. But when I opened my bottle of Pimpcron Wargamer bathwater, it had a clump of pubes floating on the top. Ew. I drank it anyway, but I skimmed the hair out. They gave me a partial refund. Um, and of course, we will do that. If, if you order hair or no hair and you get the wrong version, then you're definitely going to get a refund. Okay, a partial refund at least. I have been so pruny lately making all these batches of gamer bath water uh the war gamer bath water is really kicking up though it's it's really great i just wanted to remind you all the pimpcron uh war gamer brand bath waters features our patented formula of sweat and ass funk mixed with triple filtered spring water we have a vigilant watchdog system to make sure that pimpcron has bathed in each and every batch for at least 30 minutes that's right 30 minutes you have our prune toes guarantee so head on over to pimpcronwargamerbathwater.com to pick up your own bottle of bathwater. And in the meantime, keep drinking. Want that or want that not? On this edition of Want That or Want That Not, I am looking at one of the most ridiculous things I have ever seen in my entire existence. No, I'm not looking in the mirror. I'm looking at the Sylvaneth dice. Words cannot describe how terrible these dice are. I mean, I I can't even begin to say anything about them. So, for $25, you get 20 brown dice in four different sets of five dice. What? Each set featuring Pip's in one of the four colors of the seasons. Oh, well, aren't you cute? Aren't you just cute? There's some orange, there's some blue, there's some green, there's some... Oh, whatever. Get over yourself. The Sylvaneth dice... Okay. Number one. These are far too colorful to be of any use to anybody anywhere. Okay? They don't look Sylvaneth-y. They don't, they're not cool like the squig dice. They, they're just, they're just awful. Okay. They're just plain awful. The main color on them is brown. And then there's various other colors. But the, the worst part about this is that there are not any freaking pips on this entire dice. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, well, Pimpcron, there are pips on it. There's a little twig with numbers of different leaves on them. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what I think of when I think of ease of play, ease of use, quick games, speed rolling. I think about trying to remember to count individual leaves on individual dice. And to make matters even worse, 
they are different colored dice. There's four different sets of colored dice. So I'm looking right here. You can see one is a orange five-leaf branch, and the next to it is a green five-leaf branch. So you can't... It would be different if they took... Now, here's what's interesting. If they would have taken the four different colors, which they already wanted to do, okay? Take the four different colors and split them up against the numbers. Because a one is, I'm assuming, a skull, I guess. The one is the blue skull, and I'm assuming the six is a big spiral. There's a lot of assumptions being made here. There is, I'm sorry, it's dark green, light green, orange, and... I don't know what the other color is, because the skulls are blue. Now, can you imagine, boys and girls, having this exact same confusion when you actually go to roll these stupid-ass dice? Um, so let me, let me try to assess this out, suss this out for a minute. The skulls are all blue, and skulls, I'm assuming, are white. And there's a spiral on each one of them. Okay, so okay, so here's the four colors. White, orange, dark green, and light green. Those are the four colors. And all of the skulls are blue. So it would be much, much, much easier if we would not have to actually count the number of stupid ass leaves on each one of these twigs to find out what the number's supposed to be. It would be much more helpful if they would have at least color coded it. If they would have made the skulls blue, which they did, make the sixes, which I'm assuming is this spiral shape, uh, another color, and then make, you know, two, let's say orange, you know, three, dark green, four, light green, five, whatever. You know, that that would make a lot more sense. Make the four seasons, two through five, make the skulls blue, which is, I guess, a one, Make the whirlpools? Uh, man, this is this is a whole new level of stupid, is what this is. And there is not one single redeeming quality about these dice. I hate to be raining on all your parades. If you get them, you're a terrible person, and this proves it. Um, <laughs> honestly, this is just a terrible design choice. Um, so it's a, it's a dark and light marbleized gray dice, which is already incredibly bland and boring. Then the other aspect of this is, is there's no actual pips on it. The other aspect of this is, is that there is a dark green and a light green. So those are way too similar to actually be considered different colors. Man, this is, this is bad. So... Uh, is that a want that or want that not for me? I can tell you right now, that is a want that not for me. Um, so apparently the whirlpool is the Sylvanith icon. I did not know this. This is not something I knew. It says, match your dice to your army with this Sylvanith themed dice set. With 20 dice overall, they're perfect for important roles or keeping track of wounds or command points. How you to keep track of wounds when there's no numbers on it? Good God. This set includes 20 brown, ugly-ass dice divided into four stupid-ass colors uh, that each feature pips with one of the colors of the seasons and special stylings on every face, including skulls for the ones 
and Sylvanith icons for the sixes. So apparently that's the Sylvanith icon. Who could have guessed? Because I certainly could not have. You know, when I often think, I often think about trees and people in trees and people made of trees, I often think of whirlpools. That's just, I don't know why my brain goes that way, but it does. Anyway, sorry you just heard me crap all over this, but this is... They keep making new dice, and I keep thinking, well, that is the worst set of dice I've ever seen. But they keep topping themselves. So, now, officially, the Sylvanith dice are the worst dice I've ever seen. I'm just warning you right now. If you bring Sylvanith dice to the table, and you're trying to play your Sylvanith dice against me, I'm going to flip the table... Find out where you live and set your house on fire. I'm just saying that is not on me now. You have been fully warned. Okay, I won't do that. I'm not actually going to do that. But they're they're really ugly. They're they're cheating ass cheater dice, what they are, because you can't even make heads or tails. They might as well have every single dice have a different symbol. Just yeah. So sometimes it's you know five is five leaves, and sometimes five is five roots, or sometimes five is five branches. You know, you just make it up as you go. Ugh, this is terrible. I'm moving on because now I'm depressed. Hey everybody, it's the Pimpcron, and today I've got a product that you did not know that you could not live without. That's right. Becoming a patron on Patreon for the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast is everything you've ever wanted. We guarantee that it will clean up your spills, make your whites whiter, teach your dog tricks, and take you to the edge and even clean up afterwards. That's right, it's everything you could ever want in a product ever. Just go to patreon.com slash and pledge your allegiance to the almighty Kron today. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Kron. And this is the part of the show where we get real with each other. This is me and Just James today. Top of the morning to you, Just James. Bottom of the night. <laughs> That sounds like some 80s song. Top of the morning, bottom of the night. I don't know. It just sounds like it is. Okay. All right, so uh, today we wanted to talk about another tactic session. What are we talking about today? Uh, we're going to talk about the movement phase and uh, all the moving, moving and movement that you could do inside of it. Sure, yeah, you can move all, you can move all over that. Move. That's... <laughs> move, bitch. Get out the way. <laughs> so... Uh, there's a ton of things you can talk about the movement phase for because the movement phase, as everyone may or may not know, is the most important phase of every single turn. And why is that, Just James? Uh, well, because you can move your models. You know, you can move the models around uh-huh. and position them in different positions. But what's that matter? It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. I think you and I play two different games then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did notice that you spell things out with your people. Like, yeah. Like, it's kind of like Go synchronized. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's like synchronized swimming. Like, each yeah. turn you'll have them rotate. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty neat. Uh, it doesn't do much for your tactics, though. No, it's it's very bad. I, I, I always lose. Uh, I lose all my games. So, <laughs> but you look damn good doing it. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. So of course you know this entire game is ranges. Everything is a range, and you know whether it's your shooting or your charge range or it's an aura bubble or it's a force field generator or whatever. 
everything is a range in this game. So of course the movement phase is super important because that's how you make your ranges applicable. I don't care what range your weapon is, if you're out of range, the weapon doesn't work. Right, I always add the range of the gun to my movement to determine, you know, what I'm targeting. That's illegal. No, you know what? (laughs) When I move the model. A Marine cannot move 30 inches, James. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is super cheating. You you think they shoot really hard into the ground and it yeah. lifts them up? Well, I mean, it's Space Marines. Why not? Yeah. They're no, the last but, you know, hero. determine uh, if I'm in range or not or what's all going to be in range. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll extend the tape measure out from the furthest oh. guy. Oh. And I'll include the... I'll add the movement plus the range of the weapon. Ah, uh, so if you but did But don't move them. I don't move them then. I move them after... Then I move them their movement. Just their movement. Though. Just the movement. Okay. Okay. Um, so like a last cannon guy's not gonna move uh, fifty four inches. No. Right? Okay. No. All right. Well, um, <laughs> that's good to know. Um, but you're right though. Exactly. You know, in this edition where we can pre measure, that's why would you not do that? And a lot of people don't pre measure things, which is stupid. When they get to the shooting phase, then they go, "Oh, let me see if I'm in range." Yeah. Shouldn't you be doing that in the yeah. movement phase? Like, yeah. That. Yeah, you should do that in the movement phase and not the shooting phase. Yeah. And how many times have um at the I just played a game this past week and he <laughs> every single Okay, so he scored 2 points in the entire game. And how many did you get? 22. <laughs> because <laughs> because it three straight turns he didn't have any objectives. I said, "Well, you moved your people up, but you never advanced them. You never like Several times his units were like four inches from the objective. And I wasn't holding the objective. And I'm like, what, did you forget that objective? And he's like, oh, no, I just thought I was in range. I'm <laughs> like, why don't you mo- Why don't you measure? Like, there's a very easy way to know if you're in range or not. Yeah. So, uh, but he just, he just kept completely forgetting about it. Like, it just was not something he was measuring. So, what about the good old-fashioned bubble wrapping? Bubble wrapping, yeah. So that happens in the movement phase, obviously. Yep. And uh, what is the purpose of that, Just James, for all of our really dumb listeners? Uh, it is to protect characters. Mm-hmm. It is to protect your vehicles. Mm-hmm. And um, to you can kind of spread them out to not only protect characters, but like block block uh, the enemy from going anywhere, you know? Um, so... Uh, so also any like important units like technically like a havoc squad or somebody that doesn't want to be in combat. Right. You just put a chaff unit around. Or or you could bubble wrap an objective. Oh, for as sure. Well. Yeah. You get your okay, so you and I both have troops going after this objective and your troops troops circle the objective exactly on the edge of 3 inches the entire way around. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not getting to it. Nope. Um yeah, that's really good. Uh so, you know, of course, we're talking about vehicles that don't have fly, obviously, but Lehman Russes, um, specifically, they they get assaulted all the time. And so many times I've mentioned to people, why do you not have, you know, a guardsman unit, they used to be 50 points, I think they're 40 points now. Like, just a base guardsman unit, right? Or even conscripts. That is such a small tax to pay 
just okay every layman rust that i i buy on my list i'm gonna just throw a 10-man unit of conscripts around it right just so it can't be charged i mean it's really not that difficult um you could even make it even better by you know putting three tanks surrounded by one 30-man squad of conscripts or something you know what i mean like clump them together anything like that or you can also bubble right bubble bubble wrap one tank with three tanks (laughs) okay uh i guess you can uh (laughs) i don't know about the cost benefit uh ratio on that um but you know that brings up another point too is that um why do people always move up when they don't have to have you noticed this yeah i've seen it happen like for instance uh i was playing lore master alex a couple months ago and i was playing necrons and a very melee heavy necrons lich guard flayed ones wraiths okay and i told him hey like i'm gonna i'm trying to assault you that's what i'm gonna do this is what this army does don't move forward and each turn, he would move his Lehman Russes forward closer to me. And I would tell him in the movement phase, dude, dude, don't do that. Because I want to assault you, and you're making it easier for me. Every inch that he moves forward is another inch that I don't have to move. Like, it's it's just... That's why he's called the Lore Master, not the War Master. <laughs> oh, that was good. I like that. I thought about that earlier. Oh, well... Uh, <laughs> The look on your face is so satisfied right now. <laughs> you love it when a plan comes together. Uh, but it's true. And, you know, obviously I'm not just ragging on Loremaster because a lot of people do that. They will move up units that have no business being on the front lines. And, you know, shooting units, obviously. And units that need to be bubble wrapped. So, sure, if you for some reason feel the need, like your brakes don't work on your Lehman Ross, and each turn you just got to move it forward for some reason, bubble wrap it. Yeah. You know? I mean, and same thing like you're talking about your recent game where that guy put his leaders up front or very close to the front. Yeah. He, he wasn't bubble wrap. No. And I was able to shoot down his uh, characters. I mean, even there was like a squad that was closer. I shot them up pretty easily. Uh-huh. And then another squad that was close by killed that character, you know? So. You kind of, I mean, this character was like a melee guy, so he didn't want to be blocked by his own dudes. Sure. But still, you gotta, you gotta protect that character with more dudes. Actually, what you just brought up is a perfect segue to the buddy system strategy for melee units. Do you want to explain what that is? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I will. Sometimes you have to say no. <laughs> uh, so basically the buddy system, and I do this pretty frequently, whenever I have a melee unit that's not going to deep strike, not going to have any fast means to go across the board, I put them, I put the better unit, like, I'm just going to say uh, assault terminators, okay? Let's say I brought assault terminators, I really want to use them, and um, even though it's arguably not that great of a unit, but uh, I will put them inside a ring... I'm going to bubble wrap them with another unit. Yeah. And, you know, like with TAC Marines, with the whole objective secured thing. So if I am moving this, you know, uh, like bullseye, you know, a, a blob of a unit circled by another unit. If I move them all together, like one formation across the board, move and run and all that, 
then my opponent is going to be ignoring all my other units on the field. My opponent has to choose one or the other of those to shoot at. They either want to shoot out all the the attack marines to get rid of my bubble, and then I still have terminators, or if they focus everything on the terminators and kill them, I still have a full attack marine squad. Like it's it's like a win-win situation. It's yeah. It's kind of like that old distraction card effects. Like if you ignore it, then you're you're going to deal with it later, but if you don't ignore it, then you're going to deal with other stuff. Yeah. And it's it's a really good situation for you to put your opponent into. And uh, and then, of course, the reason why you want to bubble wrap the better unit inside the, the more or less chaff unit is because you want to control exactly when and where that inside unit gets assaulted. You don't want them or doesn't get assaulted, but gets into the assault because the first thing you're going to do, you got this blob, this unit coming across the board. The first thing they're going to do is start throwing stuff at it. They're going to throw their chaff units at your good units to tie them up. But what you want to be able to do is like a peeling an onion. You want to be able to sacrifice those tack marines. Like, let, let me just make a little scenario for no reason. You have corn berserkers. I am trying to get something to something behind the corn berserkers with my assault terminators. I bubble wrap the assault terminators with my tack marine squad. I move both of them up across the field. Now, if my Terminators were not were not protected, you could just assault me with the Berserkers and tie me up. But if my Terminators are protected, you physically cannot assault them. You can shoot at them all you want, but you can't assault. So when you do go to assault my Tac Marines, I make sure that I pile in and consolidate the Tac Marines in a way that like forms a dam to hold back the Berserkers. And then it's like an alley-oop then my Terminators can continue on their way to whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. And if the Berserkers entirely ignore that whole cluster, then you have both units alive. Like, there's, you know, there's um, there's tons of... That's a whole strategy in a lot of things. Um, sacrificial layers of things, right? So algae, when you're dealing um, with algae, uh, when you're trying to kill algae like in a pool, it will a lot of times form a sacrificial layer if it's thick enough. So basically, you can shock the pool all you want, and the algae won't really die. You'll kill the outside of it, but it's built itself up so thick that you can't kill the underneath until you brush it up, huh. right? You got to get the chlorine to the algae, and it's it's forming a shield that it can't, you know, they, that it can. It's like I don't care if you kill my skin, I'm still alive. Same thing with boats, boat paint. James is looking so bored right now. Boat paint on the bottoms of boats is actually sacrificial. It slowly wears off because they don't want barnacles sticking to it. Help me. <laughs> help me. Please so, help me. So to appease the the dark gods, my first two children were sacrificial. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> so that we all got out of the burning building in time, I had to trip my grandmother. She was oh, sacrificial. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Gotcha. Anyway, I'm done with my diatribe here. Um, what about board control, Just James? What about it? Well, that's the movement phase, right? Yeah. You got to control that board. You got to spread your dudes out. Make sure you have more board control than your opponent. So in previous editions, 
they would let you move other units. Like, do you remember what's an example of something that can move the opponent's the, units? The uh, Lash of Slanesh. You could uh, use a spell. I think it was a spell. Uh, Bloodthirsters used to actually have a whip that they could grab someone and pull them to them. No, that was the... Um, that, uh, well... Like in 5th edition been, or something. I don't think that's... It might have been before 5th edition. Oh. Uh, but the Last of Slanesh could do that. You, but I forgot how you did it. But you could essentially move the uh, unit closer to that demon prince that had the Last of Slanesh. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, people would be able to combo that with... I think uh, they could keep doing that if they had, like, more demon princes. Oh, just keep pulling them. I think so. I think that was, like, one of the combos. Well, um... You know, but that's something they've completely taken out of this game. I can't think of anything that allows you to pull somebody closer to you. Yeah. Um, last edition, the Death Jesters, you could actually tell uh, whenever they um, lost morale, you know, they, the opponent would have to go back to their board edge. Yeah. Well, Death Jesters, you could tell them to go, make them go any way you want them to go. Nice. So you could have them come towards you, or you can have them run off the, the table edge to the left. Or right, you know, um, and be destroyed if they're, you know, if anybody goes over. Uh, but now it's uh, you just choose the first model that runs away, which is okay. It's but okay, kill their sergeant or whatever. Yeah, their plasma gun, whatever. Yeah, but it's still not quite. No, it's it's still not as good as hey, oh, you're right next to the uh, table edge. Uh, everybody go that way. Oh, they're all gone. Yeah. But, you know, so they've taken all that out. For some reason, they don't like you to be able to manipulate your opponent's models. But you can still do it. Because what you do is you use your bodies, being that they can't, you know, get within so many inches of you or whatever. They can't walk through your unit. Right. Well, then that's what you do. Like, for instance, my last game, I got assaulted by a bigger unit that was a menace to my whole gun line for Necrons. So I sacrificed the warriors. I had a 20-man warrior squad. And they assaulted the warriors. And I'm like, okay, fine. I knew they couldn't kill me in one turn. So um, my warriors took the punishment for one melee turn. And um, uh, then on my turn, I retreated, but I retreated in a perfect circle around the unit that I was afraid of. I was afraid was going to get to my other units. And then I just lit them up with the rest of the army because we were no longer in melee. But I retreated in such a way that even if I didn't kill them that turn, if I didn't manage to kill this big unit... They still couldn't go anywhere. All they could do was the the only physical option they had was assaulting my warriors that were encircling them. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, sure, that's not moving his models, but I'm preventing them from moving. Yeah. You know? Um, so, same thing with, like, tanks and stuff. You know, you can circle them and make sure they don't move anywhere because they don't have fly or whatever. Right. And so. uh, even if they do have fly, you know, spread out enough... Especially with flyers, you could try and block them from, uh, and it's easier if you're playing on a smaller board, it's easier to pretty much destroy them just by standing underneath them. And what was that, my Gene Sealer Cult you did that with? Uh, no, I was playing Gene Sealer Cult. And my Grey And Knights. you were playing, uh, uh, Celestial Lions. Celestial Lions, yeah. And I was like, oh, I'll just move over here, and you only had a certain way you could go. <laughs> well, we were playing on a 4x4 too, which makes it harder. Yeah. So, yeah, and my minimum is, I forget how many inches. It's 20 inches. 20 inches. So, yes. 
So, so that was that was an asshole move, but it was very smart. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, that thing was tearing my stuff up, so it had to go. Yeah. And <laughs> but uh no, as ridiculous as that is, that is the rules. So, I mean, whatever. Um it's almost like, "Oh shit, there's enemy beneath us." <laughs> it's like it doesn't make any sense. I kind of feel like there was a FAQ for that, but I'm not I'm not sure. Well, the, even if there was an FAQ changing that, there's probably been four other FAQs changing yeah, oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and then an FAQ to change that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't care. So, uh, so board control is a pretty, pretty big deal. As long as you have bodies in a line, they can't pass you. With the exception of fly, obviously. But... So, you know, your guardsmen, you take all those units of guardsmen, and you literally form a conga line in front of your entire army. And sure, they're sacrificial, but they're four points a model. Who gives a shit? Yeah. And same thing with grots. Same thing with cultists, you know? Just poxwalkers. All those cheap chaff units. You you can very much decide what units get assaulted and what units don't. So, honestly, if you're playing on your top game and you're good at strategy, there should never be a unit of yours that gets assaulted that you did not allow to get assaulted. Yeah. Because, obviously, you can't control who shoots what, but who assaults what, you can very much control. So, do you have anything else to add for this? Delete. <laughs> Just delete it all? Okay. Uh, so, I think that's about it, honestly. I think we covered pretty much anything. And pretty much anything. I mean, pretty much everything. Pretty much everything, anything, all of it. You know what? I would have to say that there's a two things that you need to follow playing this game. Number one, remember that you can pre-measure. So yes. many people don't do that. Correct. And number two, remember that every of the other fra- phases... What? Uh, <laughs> every... Of the other phases, seashells by the seashore (laughs) depends on the movement phase. Every single one of them depend on the movement phase. Yeah. And remember, some of them depend on the previous turn's movement phase, like the uh, reanimation protocols for Necrons within the three inches of the Cryptac. Yeah. That happens before the movement phase, so you actually have to worry about from the previous turn if you're within three inches or not. Oh yeah, it's true. So, the movement f- the movement phase is the thinking man's phase. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>